Welcome back, climbers. I'm your co-host, Kaylee Floyd, and this is another episode of Climbing Mount CMMC. In today's episode, Bobby and Adam are talking about the most common mistakes that businesses can make while going through the CMMC journey. This is part one of a two-part podcast, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. We're super excited to be talking about common mistakes that most MSPs make when they're trying to go for CMMC. So today I'm joined with Adam Evans. Uh, Thank you. Uh, This is one of the second, I guess, maybe the second podcast that that we've done together. Uh, And so we're really excited about this topic. We've made a lot of mistakes uh, on our own going through this, and we thought we've made enough of them that we could do a podcast, (laughs) probably several. Adam, why don't you kind of kick us off with the first one on the list? Yeah, so um, one of the big ones that a lot of organizations make is they think it's going to be something easy. Okay. Um, when we look at a lot of the other compliance frameworks, especially like the NIST uh, CSF or the CIS controls are a little bit more focused. They're a little bit more technical in nature. It gives a little right. bit more clarity. Yeah, more almost prescriptive in some ways. Right, especially on, C- on CIS. <laughs> mm-hmm. But CMMC and the, all the requirements there is a lot more. It doesn't touch just IT systems. Mm-hmm. It's, it touches the entire organization. And the processes, policies, procedures that you have to build in place to that, they're pretty expansive, they're pretty involved, and they're, they're not simple. Right. And, you know, the, the element of you're going to have an audit. You're yeah. going to be audited. You're going to be, there's validation. You have to provide proof. Mm-hmm. And that proof isn't just to you and your team. So what right. you feel is good enough doesn't constitute necessarily what's good enough for an auditor yeah. and the type of information you have to provide to them. So mm-hmm. your team is going to have to have the wherewithal that are going to be able to communicate. Now, you do have the ability to sort of negotiate that in the first initial con for consultation with your C-3PO that you pick, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, as you're picking your C-3PO, you can discuss who's going to be involved in the scope of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But still, that's going to have to happen, right? Yeah. And uh, that's not like a normal CIS or any of those other things. You, you, that level of difficulty is considerably higher. And I mm-hmm. think they just kind of feel like, let's throw some tools at it. Let's maybe talk to a friend and we can just sort of wing this thing and, and it'll work out just like everything else. And that's just not the case. Yeah, that, that's the big one is you do have that, that person looking over everything you do. And it might be good enough for you, but it might not be good enough for them. Because um, right. at the end of the day, you've got all the requirements that you get under CMMC, starting at DFARS, going through your, you know, the various sub stuff through NFO, et cetera. But then you also have all the assessment objectives in there too. Yeah. And um, so true. Now let's switch gears here. Let's talk about common mistakes that MSPs try to do when they don't really understand it themselves and then try to help others in the process. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with an issue and let me try to help you with the same issue and we're both struggling with it at the same time. It doesn't really work out that way. I mean, you need to have someone who has conquered it, has been there and done that before you start trying to turn this to others. So with that kind of sort of being said, for MSPs, what's that danger when they think that they can just sort of perhaps coach others or try to based on the limited knowledge that they have? That's a mistake a lot of MSPs make. Can you kind of touch on that some? Yeah. Um, well, first off, the, the big mistake in there um, is assuming a lot of that risk and liability right. um, at a business level. If you go out to your client and say, oh, yeah, go ahead and do these things. You'll clear through CMMC. No problem. We've right. read it over. It looks great. Well, if the client takes that, does what you say, goes through their assessment process, and they fail, they just spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and they're not going to be too happy about it. And, and you might have an agreement that says mm-hmm. you can't hold us liable. 
but that doesn't mean someone can't sue you about it, right? right. <laughs> I mean, this is a litigious world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so just because your agreement supposedly gets you off the hook, if you have given clear advice and you're not qualified to provide that advice and you still do that, mm -hmm. I mean, there's clear negligence there, even if your contract says you're not liable for that. Mm -hmm. And I think a good attorney could make some really good arguments about those types of things. And so you have to be super careful when you're stepping into that space making recommendations. And the one thing I'd like to double down, or not double down on, but mention on that one is keep in mind where CMMC comes from. It's a requirement for federal acquisition as spelled out in the federal register. It's a law. Right. So if we, we you know, screw up on this one, don't do it right, did we wade into the territory of gross negligence right. and yeah. in a criminal sense? Yeah. And there because are they're those... weaponizing that using the DFARS, right? So the, yeah. the kind of the trick that the, the Department of Defense does is they have these FARS and DFARS requirements, which are basically a catalog of requirements that they've created. And then they put those in the contract. Mm -hmm. And once it's in that contract, like you said, it's, it's, it's part of the law as far as in you've agreed to be able to meet that requirement. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do. They put those DFARS in those contracts and it requires you then to do that. And if your client is... Uh, falling under those DFAR requirements, uh, they're going to have to be beholden to it. And if you start making recommendations and you're not qualified to do that, even if your contract says that you can provide bad advice, doesn't mean they're not going to come after you. Yep. And we're even seeing that a step further with the False Claims Act and mm -hmm. enforcement of that. We've seen instances where some of the major contractors out there have made some uh, misleading statements. And the federal government took the, the stance of, no, these, these aren't just simple little oopsie-daisy mistakes here. You deliberately tried to obscure information from us to make yourself look good to win bids, and we're none too happy about it. Not only are they revoking those contracts, but they're also going after individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, totally. I don't uh, know about you, but that scares the, the scares the pants off me. Yeah, yeah, it, and that is, and right now most of those uh, have been for much much larger organizations. You know, yeah, Aerojet, yeah, Enterprise. But I think a big reason why that's happening is. That's because the SMB market hasn't really been fully into this environment. They're going to be thrust upon them. Uh, mm -hmm. They're going to be pulled into it, kicking and screaming. Once CMMC, the ruling that we're expecting to drop at the time of this recording is uh, almost Christmas. So uh, the ruling hasn't come out yet. So probably when you guys are watching it, it probably has. And we're so jealous that you've seen it because we haven't. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but we we know that there's going to be a lot of requirements that they're going to have in those DFARs that are going to push SMB organizations to be in there. And that's when I think like what you're saying, the, the false claims acts, you're going to start seeing that come down into the SMB market. The, mm -hmm. the DOD is going to start wanting to make them as an example, like they have done for the larger organizations. I think that's very logical to see them yeah. take that approach. Now they may have a little bit more grace because SMBs don't have the cash flow that some of these obviously, you know, enterprise organizations mm -hmm. have. But I think it's very reasonable that they may, if they feel like there's just a lot of grossness, you know, uh, organizations that aren't following in the SMB mm -hmm. market, they're going to, they're going to make some examples of some people when they have the opportunity. And so you have to be real careful and take that serious. Yeah. Let me switch gears here to another topic. Uh, we, we kind of call it the uh, marriage counseling for CMMC. What, do you, what does that mean and, can, and how is that a mistake that a lot of MSPs make? So that kind of idea around marriage counseling, is, you, know, you think you can bring someone in to solve all the problems for you. Right. But when we look at CMMC, it's not that cut and dry. Right. Um, you know, we look at our client base as MSPs. They're the organization that's going out for those bids. They're contracting us as MSPs for services. We have that role to play in the CMMC ecosystem, but 
we've got to, you know, those, those requirements impact us, they impact the other clients. So bringing some, a third person in to try to help mediate all that, it doesn't really work very well. Right. Um, As you try to work through it together, you know, a lot of organizations feel like we'll just bring in a third party organization, mm -hmm. someone that's supposedly an expert and they'll just coach the two of us together, like marriage mm -hmm. counseling through this. And how long, what, eight months to a year to finally get ready? And, yeah. and so now you have two organizations that have different structures, uh, different power struggles inside, mm -hmm. uh, different focuses. Different budgets. Different budgets, yeah. absolutely. And, and so now this person is counseling those two organizations and they now have to wrestle each independently and somehow at the same time merge and stay in lockstep through six months to a year uh, as they walk through. But what happens as you start to go through that, and we'll talk about some other mistakes like cost and things like that, mm -hmm. somebody, and more than likely, if they haven't really come into this with a lot of education, is probably gonna realize this is more than what I bargained for. And there's a good chance they're gonna mm -hmm. wanna exit stage right. What yeah. happens then? Yeah, especially when um, you look at a lot of the MSPs out there, there are definitely MSPs where their entire focus, their vertical is industrial, defense industrial, and that's all they do, it's their bread and butter. They're way ahead of this, they're already working on it, they've right. known about this for a while. Great. There are uh, Most of the MSPs out there, I'd say, they've got one, two, five clients maybe yeah, in the defense right. industrial, and it's a small subset of the business. And now this marriage counselor comes in and says, wow, you've been a successful MSP for 20 years doing it this way, that's great. That's not compliant with CMMC. We're gonna need to change how you fundamentally operate and right. overhaul your business for 5% of your bottom line. Yeah, that's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, most MSP owners are gonna look at that and go, no, I'm done. Well, especially when you think about MSPs, we're doing pretty well. We are a critical infrastructure. They need us. Mm -hmm. uh, organizations, as this economy is growing, they need people that understand technology and can help wrangle it so that they can continue to function. And so many MSPs are, are, are doing very, very well. And so for them, they think to themselves, I have to do a fundamental change to my business. And once they mm -hmm. start realizing how much of a change it is, and let me just say with absolute clarity, it is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And I've had my company for 20 years. So do not underestimate the challenge of taking on CMMC. And then once they start to do that, they hit the eject button. And yeah. now that leaves the client holding the bag and they may not be okay with that if mm -hmm. they've been doing this for eight months and paid all the money, mm -hmm. and then you leave. Well, and keep in mind on that too, there's another risk that involves that comes into play on that one too. When clients are going through things right now, they already have those government contracts, they're required to submit their SPUR score right. and their plan of action and milestones to their, whether they are a subcontractor and they have to hand that data off to Northrop Grumman or Lockheed Martin, whomever, they're still putting information on paper and dates and timelines on paper. Right. right. And if the MSP comes in eight months from the thing and says, yeah, we're done, we're hitting eject, exit stage right, uh, get out of Dodge, GTFO, you know, pick, mm -hmm. pick however you want to say to run away. <laughs> but now they've got to pull that out and the clients sit there having signed off on the paperwork and now they have to go to their contract holder or to the government to say, we've got a, here's a new plan right, of action. Yeah, yeah. We're missing all of our deadlines. Why? Because our MSP abandoned us. Yeah. And then you, they've got to scramble to find somebody else that right. might do it. And they're not as educated about that. Yeah. So it's a challenge for them. And, and the bigger risk on that too is Lockheed or the government themselves, I'm just picking on Lockheed here because it's the easiest one right now and the only defense contractor that's really jumping out in my mind. They can come back and say, okay, you're too risky to do business with, we're canceling your contract. Right, yeah. yeah. And you know how defense spending works. That could be, those aren't small dollar figures coming into the bank. 
Well, and, and to flip the, the coin in the script a little bit, it, it could happen to the MSP themselves as well, right? The MSP could be going lockstep with the client, and the client could look at that and say, this is too expensive. It's only you know 5% of our business is coming from DOD contracts. Mm -hmm. We're doing really well here. We don't want to do this now. We've decided this is a horrible idea. We don't, we're just, we're just ripping the bandaid off and stopping and hitting yeah. the eject button. And now you're caught halfway through the lurch of making your transition. Yeah. You know, so that whole marriage counseling concept just doesn't work very well. So the right approach is obviously you as an MSP need to, and this is, we, we tried doing the marriage counseling ourselves. It did not work out. So trust me when I say it doesn't. And so what, what we had to do is we had to decide, look, we got to get really serious and let's try to, to not only get ready for us to get level two, because as MSPs, if we're providing technical support for CMMC, we're going to have to meet parity with our client and we're going to have clients that are going to be level two. We know we are. So that means we're getting level two mm -hmm. certified ourselves. So we're, we're taking it serious and we're getting ready for ourselves. And then we're really trying to engage and work with those clients. And yeah. that was, I think, a tough lesson for us that really cost us a lot of money and time mm -hmm. and effort. So we've been working through this process and everything. You've been, you know, heads down trying to get things done for a while. Mistakes made along the way. You tried the marriage counseling route. <laughs> um, and we're going down how we can do this ourselves. So what does right look like that's as a, an MSP? That's a great question. And in, in IT and in, in being doing IT for 20 years, I thought, oh, I can just figure that out on my own. And of, of that, I have no doubt. But mm -hmm. what, what the problem, though, is if you want to do it efficiently, mm -hmm. given the fact that we haven't grown up in FedRAMP, we haven't grown up in the DOT, in the DIB mm -hmm. space. And, and so about two and a half years ago, as we were starting to try to step into that space, we didn't have that experience to lean back on. So we didn't know what right looked like. And so we just thought, well, we'll figure it out. We'll try to do some different things. And I even went to, as far as to get CCP certified. But th those, those things is they're teaching you from different perspectives. But mm -hmm. I didn't know what a fully-fledged ecosystem built, ready to pass an assessment, really looked like because I'd never touched one, right. smelled one, never worked in one. Um, and so fortunately, we ran into Amira Mond, and she had a fully-built-out ecosystem. Now, it wasn't set up for MSPs, but it was set up for just a traditional organization trying to get level two certified. But it was a complete system. It was the mm -hmm. first complete system I had really had a chance to work with and see. And boy, did that open our eyes. Okay, now we can do this. We've got this. We have this system. We, now we see how these different things work. Now we see how the SSPs are tying together. Yeah. And we see what right looks like. Once mm -hmm. we knew what right looked like, mm -hmm. the world opened up. And that's also a big reason why I brought you on board is like, now I know what right looks like. And I know that it's going to be difficult for me to try to tackle it on my own. So that's a big reason why we brought you on. And your expertise and, and, and just passion also is about documentation. I'm not very great at that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you've been a huge help for us in doing that. But I didn't know what right looked like. That was the big challenge for me. H have you seen that in your experience for what you're dealing with? So from my end, um, my CMMC journey has been a, a rather interesting one. Um, working in the wonderful world of MSPs, I got my first taste of it when a client submitted a ticket who was in the defense industrial base saying, we have to meet this NIST compliance thing and can you help us out with this? And I said, sure. How bad could this be? Um, <laughs> Little did you know. That was literally looking at the, the hottest chili pepper chip in the world saying, how bad could this be? And about 30 seconds into it, you're sweating profusely, the face is red, you're crying and begging for mercy. Um, same com you know, concept. And from my experience going through that, mistakes made along the way was trying to understand the complexities of it 
and decipher it, which is really digging super deep into it, understanding the controls, the fact that there is an 800-171A as your assessor guide to figure out what actually you need to do, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. controls that are implied that you just, that uh, it assumes you already have that most uh, MSPs or SMBs don't already have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. And then we look at the wonderful world that we deal with as MSPs with people saying that they know absolutely everything that don't. Right. Um, people and vendors out there that say, yeah, we're fully compliant with all this other stuff. They're not. Or that say, yeah, we're, this doesn't apply to us at all. And you're like, but, okay. <laughs> so, so a recommendation that I would have, and, and I'm curious to see what you have. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw out my thoughts. And we haven't really rehearsed this, so I'm not sure what you're going to say. But um, I highly suggest that you talk with a a CCA, you know, certified, you know, CMMC certified assessor mm -hmm. or a C3PO before you really start this journey to have somebody in your corner that has gone through assessments. So not just any CCA, I would, I would pick a CCA that has either been uh, gone through joint assessments, right? Mm -hmm. That has participated, has, you want to check their pedigree and see because they're just because you have a CCA doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to understand MSPs and, and know how mm -hmm. to work with them. But uh, a C3PO organization has to go through the audit. They have to go through the process. And there's a certain level of requirement in order for them, obviously, to be able to be C3POs. So if you, if you, if you kind of target those individuals and say, help me, show me, talk with me about this kind of mm -hmm. stuff, versus just finding a vendor that's trying to sell a tool and to, you, to them you're just a commodity, uh, you're going to be much safer. So yep. that's where I would start first, in my opinion. But I'm curious, what's your take on that? So I, I would agree with the talk to someone approach. Mm -hmm. um, now, I know engaging with a C3PAO or an assessor costs money, you know. Yeah, um, sure. But there are MSPs that are going through this process and journey themselves. Right. We're one of them. Yeah. There are plenty of other ones out there as well who would be more than happy, I'm sure, to answer some questions for you as the free of charge. Mind you, of course, because it's just free advice, you know, you, you, you know it's going to be a little bit more limited. But there are some great people out there to share their stories. There yeah, are great sure. people out on social media. I think some of them are coming out. have been on the podcast already as yeah. a recording or mm -hmm. will be or whatever. So there's, there's lots of people out there that have gone through this, that understand the requirements, that know the pitfalls that we face as MSPs and SMBs and can talk to it and kind of give you some feelers and some thoughts as to is this enough to go down. If you like what you hear from them and you think, yeah, I, st I still think this, is, this isn't going to be too bad. I can still do this. Take the next step, like you mentioned, contact with C3PAO, yeah, start thinking mm -hmm. of the assessors, and then you can start throwing some dollars and cents at it, because right. at the end of the day, this is this is expensive. Now, some C3PAOs, all they focus on is doing assessments, so they cannot give you consulting services, but some C3PAOs will do consulting. Now, when they do consulting with you, they cannot do your assessment, so they're disqualifying themselves from being able to participate in assessment to you as an organization. But having that person that really mm -hmm. knows the industry and can be in your corner can be a very powerful thing and not wasting time and money because I can't tell you how many dead ends and cul-de-sacs that I found driving yeah. down this journey and turn it around, you know, through documents out, through uh, money out the window. Mm -hmm. And it's a very expensive proposal. So before you head down the journey, really pay attention about that knowledge and then yeah. it will, you'll be so much happier than we were. <laughs> yeah. And we'll always be able to try to help you. Uh, you know, since you're watching this podcast, obviously you've got an interest in it, uh, but reach out to us and we'll, you know, me, Adam or Kaylee, and, and we're always here to try to help out as best we can. But, um, you know, there's lots of other avenues as well. Yeah. 
Um, so let's let's talk about the complexity of CMMC. Let's mm -hmm. talk about how that complexity can really sneak up on you and bite you when you're getting into that space. Can you can you talk about how that's a mistake that MSPs tend to make when when it comes to that? Yeah. So. CMMC has so many different bits and pieces. So CMMC comes from your requirements under DFARS, like we already mentioned earlier. DFARS has its own subset of, of little scotches in there. Right, for sure. Um, so you have to understand those. Then there's CMMC, and that's going down to 800-171, which has its assessor guide for one, but also there's its appendixes. And appendices, mm -hmm. appendices. Words are hard today, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, if we're technical people, we'll see, we'll look for the meat and potatoes of it. We'll see, like, oh, scope, objective, overview, and go, Psst, give me the meat and potatoes of this. I don't want the appetizer. So we jump right into the controls and go, okay, cool, great. And then you go you go down the road, and um, I, one of my lessons learned the hard way was the NFO controls exist. Right. right. Um, I was at a conference, and uh, the speaker was like, how many MSPs do, you know, talk about CMMC and are working towards it? Raise your hands. I'm like, yay, I do this. I'll keep my hand up for dramatic effect. And then she's like, okay, how many of you have not heard of the NFO controls? Keep your hands up. Hey, how many of you have not heard of 800-171A? Hey, okay, everyone with your hands still up, you're screwed. Yikes. That's the eye opener, huh? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, there's so much to it. And those NFO controls are a great example of right. it because it is buried in an appendix and it's assumed that companies have them already. Right. And you know what they say about assumptions, mm -hmm. so it's bold of the federal government to make that kind of an assumption, but the NFO controls are policies and procedures and stuff that organizations absolutely should have. And if you are competing and moving through the defense industrial base, you should have the stuff already. They're not wrong in making that assumption, right, right. but it's something that can be so easily overlooked. And then we get into 800-171A with the, what, 300-some assessment objectives 320, in there? 320, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot in there. Yeah. And if you try to dive right in, I remember the first time I looked at 171, I said, well, this doesn't seem so bad. Like, use encryption for data at rest. Like, BitLocker done. Yeah. What's this FIPS thing yeah. down there? What the heck is FIPS? Let me Google that real quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now FIPS validated versus who? Yeah, what? Yeah. So, so many weird little nuances in there. And it can go from zero to 100 real fast. Yeah. And to do that as an SMB is a challenge to begin with, but then think of the MSP ecosystem and all the things we do. Right. If we start looking at bringing in our RMM tools or our PSAs or our document management platforms, is that data or sent, you know that's related directly to CMMC and SCUI? Um, hopefully not, but if it is, we understand that and follow the requirements appropriately or the security protection asset, security protection data. How's that all flowing into our vendors meet mm -hmm. those requirements too because if not that could be some very serious business decisions to, to yeah. look through yeah the, the complexity can really sneak up on you and to kind of drill more about the nfo controls mm -hmm. basically if i think it's uh the 171 not 171a document and i think yeah. it's appendix e if yeah. you scroll down to the very bottom there the uh nist uh, organization uh specifically ron and they went through and they filtered um, a lot of security requirements that were from the, the 853 and they filtered them down and they kind of had to make some decisions. And so NFO was one of those decisions that categorized some of the security because for those of you who may not be aware, 853 had so many security controls. Like I think a thousand is, is how many that's in there. So they, they took 
that thousand and they they shrank them down to the FedRAMP standard of what's included in 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 the uh, 853 and then they categorized it even further and that's where that NFO came in mm -hmm. the NIST organization said you know what we're just going to assume organizations have things like policies has specific things like procedures and mm -hmm. we're going to assume those things and because we're making those assumptions we're not going to include them in the documentation of 800-171 or 171A mm -hmm. other than just the appendix saying we're assuming you have this and that's it that's the NFO controls and so what happens is a lot of these organizations don't know about those NFO controls and they don't have appropriate policies like they're required to do mm -hmm. and they fail the assessment because of that which is pretty bad yeah because we think through something as like incident response still plenty of MSPs out there that don't have a documented inter incident response procedure they just say John's our security guy and he really gets security and has done instant response before so our instant response procedure is called John <laughs> that's right. great but uh John uh John's on vacation this week and he's on a be beach in Tahiti or wherever and he's not uh, picking up the phone so your instant response print plan just uh well it's on the beach <laughs> so now what <laughs> yeah yeah you're pretty you're pretty screwed Okay, everybody, we're kind of going long, so uh, we still got a few more things that we want to cover, so we're going to go ahead and break this podcast into two pieces, so stay tuned for next Thursday, where we're going to come back to talking about some of the common mistakes MSPs make, uh, so we will see you next Thursday. Make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube to stay up to date on the latest CMMC news. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and listen out for the next one, but until then, keep on climbing.